Hello and welcome to the first ever professional photo podcast. Time to make a brew, relax, turn up the volume as we bring you a fortnightly slice of everything you need to know from the world of professional photography. My name is Matty Graham, I'm contributing editor on the magazine and joining me at the end of the line is the main man himself, Mr Terry Hope, editor of Professional Photo. So... Thanks for joining us, and what can you expect from the podcast? Well, we're aiming to bring you as much variety as possible, but for sure we'll be talking about the latest product news, answering your questions, speaking to the industry's leading players, and exploring everything that goes into making a professional picture in today's competitive industry. So Terry, are you hearing me loud and clear? And if so, how's your week going, and what have you been up to during lockdown? Loud and clear, thank you, Matty, and... uh... Yes, up to quite a lot is the answer to that. Um, It's been, uh, well, you know, in in my career, I'd say it's been the uh, quite, quite beyond question, the maddest three months I've ever experienced. Um, (laughs) And and just uh, the speed that everything happened. I mean, I'm sure, obviously, we're we're talking to a a professional audience and I'm sure everybody will understand exactly what I'm saying when I said how quickly everything kind of turned around. We'd, um, we'd just put out our, our pre-TPS special issue. I was looking forward to the show and uh, everything was kind of going well. We uh, had a wedding special issue coming up and everything. And in the four weeks it took to put that together, obviously um, everything just just went crazy. Uh, and, and, and I'm sure we all kind of emphasised with that how quickly everything changed. And... Um, yeah, we had to make some uh, very quick decisions. We uh, we did get that issue out because it was all ready to go and um, ready to be printed. Um, but obviously all the shops and so on were, were closing down, all the conventional routes to market were, were disappearing. And um, we we had to make the call to do something um, quite quite dramatic very quickly. And uh, as, as everybody knows, I'm sure, we, uh, we decided to uh, make the magazine digital only uh, for a few issues because that, that, that was really the only way we could uh, respond to things. We had no shops to sell through. And um, distribution at that time, um, again, wasn't, wasn't easy. So, uh, uh, but then, of course, an online magazine is completely different to a, a printed magazine. And so uh, of course, yeah. incredible amount of reinvention going on virtually overnight. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I mean, we've got some news about the issue later in the podcast, which is uh, really positive and really encouraging. Um, well, for me, I mean, it's been another another busy week. Obviously, alongside my commitment to the magazine, I, I'm a working pro as well. So I mean, this week, I, I've, I've been working with a, a, a YouTube presenter who's just celebrated getting his silver play button from YouTube, no less, for hitting 100,000 subscribers. And it's automotive based, uh, but this one was actually filming electric motorbikes, which was really fun. So it gave me a chance to um, experiment with some of my DJI Osmo action cameras. I'm sure you've seen them before. And um, sort of mounting mounting them to the camera, to the bikes, so they give a really immersive experience to the viewer. Um, A bit of drone work as well, so that's been quite fun. Um, So, yeah, another busy one. Uh, Next uh, couple of days I'm off to Donington Park Race Circuit to do some more automotive uh, filming, which should be good. Uh, But I absolutely um, echo what you say about the the lockdown. It happened really quickly, didn't it, and took us all by surprise. Um, I was actually due to fly out to the Faroe Islands uh, the week after lockdown, um, you know, this trip was, you know, months and months in planning. And then, you know, you could almost sense that, you know, it was going to get cancelled and, you know, everyone was going into lockdown in different countries. And of course, Denmark shut their borders, which meant the Faroe Islands did as well. And the trip has been postponed, which is a real shame, but there's far more important things going on in the world. Um, but before we go any further, we need to say a big thank you to Sennheiser who have kindly supported the podcast. And in fact, we're recording the audio using Sennheiser gear. Right before me, as I, as I speak now, is the Sennheiser Mark IV True Condenser Microphone, which is an amazing bit of kit. It's 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 built like an absolute tank and gives uh, amazing sound quality. You know, these things, you know, they're made in Germany. 
Uh, they have a shock-mounted capsule. They're great for podcasts. And also, I do a bit of music as well, so it's great for that. So thank you again, Sennheiser, for helping out with the podcast. It's much appreciated. Uh, yes, and I should also say that I'm uh, listening to you at this very moment, Matty, through my um, HD25 Sennheiser headphones, which um, uh, is a limited edition to celebrate uh, 75 years of the company. And uh, very well they're working as well too. So uh, yeah, big thanks to Sennheiser for that. Now, Terry, we can't start the news without talking about what is arguably the biggest launch in maybe the last 15 years. I am, of course, referring to the Canon EOS R5. So a little bit of history. My first DSLR camera was the 350D nearly 20 years ago. All eight megapixels of it. Fantastic camera, went around the world three times with it, never missed a beat. In fact, still working to this day. And since then, I've owned virtually every Canon out there, you know, 1DSs, uh, 5Ds, uh, currently using the 5D Mark IV, 6Ds, 7Ds, and although I use other brands too, I mean, looking around the office, there's, there's, there's Pentaxes and Sonys lying everywhere. My main workhorses for my commercial and video work are Canons. So these announcements are a really big deal, and if you missed the launch feed that Canon sent out yesterday, let's walk you through the headlines. So the EOS R5 is a professional camera, and it can be seen as the spiritual successor to the 5D4, I think. It's got 45 megapixels, up to 20 frames per second burst rate, which is, of course, the same as the Sony A9. And amazingly, it's got up to eight stops of in-body image stabilization. Eight stops, amazing. Other specifications include over 5,000 selectable AF points, and amazingly, 8K raw video. Uh, what do you think of it, Terry? It's incredible, isn't it? And um, obviously, that was the uh, that was probably the headline uh, launch yesterday. But uh, there was so much else that came along with it as well. And um, Canon have been teasing us with this, haven't yes. they? It's it's really interesting how they've uh, how they've done that. It's. Um, I think they faced a couple of challenges. First of all, these aren't normal times, and so it couldn't be a normal launch. So uh, it's the first time I think anything this kind of size has been done online. Obviously, the whole world was invited to um, hear about it pretty much at the same time as um, uh, a lot of us did in the in the media. Um, I did get a bit of a heads up on it a few days before, but um, we had, of course had a lot of the uh, information coming through already and so uh, I think we'd, we'd had a, a chance to quite get our heads around it and um, it didn't disappoint that's for sure obviously I'm sure you and I both um, it's frustrating in that we um, you know a normal launch you would get to pick up the camera to hold the camera to look through it to play with it um, obviously couldn't do that yesterday of course, yeah but the feedback Yes, I mean the feedback. It's extraordinary, isn't it? It looks like a, a wonderful camera, and um, those headline features. Um, you know, you're talking about 8K uh, video, and uh, you think to yourself, "Well, why do we need 8K video?" And of course, it just opens so many doors, doesn't it? I mean, you, you're a filmmaker, and uh, just the uh, the editing you can do with that, how you can crop into it, and how you can take still images out of that footage which uh, are still incredibly high resolution it, it it just it just changes the goalposts it's it's fascinating to see it yeah i mean i think you know not that i want to pour cold water on it because it is an amazing product but i think you know professionals will know this that you have to obviously take into account if you're going to be filming 8k raw then you know your workflow is probably going to have to change as well. You're going to need a very well-specced machine to cope with uh, the footage. So, you know, it, maybe it's a case that a lot of photographers, professional photographers, will almost have to sort of change their setup to keep up with this camera because it is such a quantum leap forward. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's going to it's going to absolutely change the industry, this camera. Um, and, you know, it, because of the times we, we are living in at the moment, it was a very strange launch. I mean, usually... Terry will know this. Um, we, we 
you know, gets sort of shown into a, a swanky Soho hotel usually, uh, plied with champagne and, uh, you know, shown the camera ahead of time. But that just, just wasn't possible uh, this time around. So that was a shame. But, you know, it was nice for the sort of general public um, to see it at the same time as most of the media as well. I mean, Terry got a bit of a heads up because he's, he's very important in the industry. Um, I didn't, unfortunately. But... Just, just to sort of follow on from this as well, because I, I think the R5 is obviously going to be a game-changing camera, and you know it's going to sell well. But actually, I think the one that's really going to uh, move the the most amount of units might be the R6. So this was the uh, second camera launched yesterday uh, by Canon, and the R6 is essentially a stripped-back R5, and um, shares a lot of specifications with the 1DX Mark III, actually, although the weather ceiling, it should be pointed out, won't be quite as comparable. Um, so it's got 20 megapixels, full-frame sensor, again, up to 20 frames per second burst rate. It actually has more AF points than the R5, and it has dual SD cards compared to the um, R5, which... Um, has one SD and one CF expressed to, to you know to cope with all that 8K uh, video. Um, obviously, you know the R6 can't do 8K, but it does do 4K 60p, which for you know the vast majority of, of uh, videographers, you know, might well be enough. And better still, the price at launch is going to be 2,500 compared to the uh, R5, which will be 4,200. That's a big investment uh, for the R5, whereas the R6, you know, is a fair deal more affordable. What's your take on the R6 and how it sort of sits against the R5? I, I was very impressed with the, uh, the R6. Uh, to be honest, um, I was quite surprised that this is being kind of presented as very much an enthusiast, a hobbyist camera. Um, and I think that I've got a couple of issues with that. First of all, you'd have to be a fairly well-heeled hobbyist to be paying £2,500 for a um, body-only camera um, that uh, you just want to uh, perhaps, you know, be, be shooting your personal pictures with. Yeah. Um, as an investment for a professional, uh, I, I thought it was awesome. Um, I, I would definitely agree with you that I think this is the one that's going to, uh, going to be moving um there's just so many benefits for it as well and uh, and the price of it i i think you, you can't uh, i i haven't reached the point where i think two and a half thousand pounds isn't a lot of money but if you're a working professional and you need a tool to do your to do your job that's an investment that is achievable and um reasonable i would say um I mean, you look at the price uh, i checked out before we uh, came on the price of the 5d mark IV. Uh, obviously, that's uh, two thousand seven hundred and eighty-nine pounds. I think. Yeah. At, uh, uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's quite a bit less than that. Um, I suppose the thing with the Mark IV, you can get a, uh, a used, uh, go somewhere like MPB and get a used version, uh, quite a lot less than that. But even so, it, it's going to cost you less than a than a brand new five uh, D Mark IV. Um, does an incredible amount of uh, of things and. Um, it really does. It raises lots and lots of questions. I think this whole mirrorless DSLR kind of issue is something that is um, obviously a lot of it's down to the individual. There are still things like battery life being so much better with a DSLR, but they are totally different beasts. And um, yeah, I think I think it's opened some really interesting doors. There is now a professional mirrorless camera from Canon. In fact, obviously two of them. Um, that will absolutely undisputably do a fantastic job for the professional and uh, definitely now they got something you can consider if you're a working photographer well i mean i think there's going to be a lot of photographers in my shoes now who are 5d4 users the news has come out about these cameras and now they're going to be thinking right you know do do i upgrade to the r5 or do i sort of pivot sideways as it were into the R6. I mean, it's just nice to have that choice from Canon now, isn't it? So for them to be, okay, they, they, they were late to the mirrorless party, but my word, they've really made up for that with the uh, launch of uh, these two cameras. And also, you know, the, the four 
RF lenses that were also announced yesterday. We'll maybe save that for another episode, but you know there was a lot of glass announced uh, yesterday as well. So a lot of professionals will be now be thinking, what do I do next? Uh, yeah, and then the uh, we won't we won't kind of dwell on the glass too much because, as you say, we we don't have the time. But a complete rethink of um, of many aspects of photography, which is so interesting, because they were they were smaller than normal uh, long lenses, uh, much higher um, maximum f-stop, which uh, at one point you would have said, well, that doesn't make them usable really. But of course, the uh, the increased ISO capability of uh, both of those cameras makes it all feasible um and yeah you know this is the complete change of goalposts i think that we're looking at and i think you've you've got to kind of step back a bit and really reassess what you want from your photography and where you're going to go with it and um the other thing i thought was interesting as well and again kind of looking at some of the feedback from yesterday if you do decide to uh, continue with the dslr route and you're looking for a 5d mark mark four second hand uh, the obvious thing to think about is that there'd be a lot more coming onto the market soon yes. and uh, prices could drop down because people will be trading up to, uh, you know, probably the R6, if not the R R5. So, you know, if you're happy to stay with the DSLR, you'll probably have a lot more uh, secondhand options uh, coming up in the very near future, I suggest. Well, somebody somewhere may be getting my very well looked after 5D4 soon. <laughs> <laughs> in immaculate condition i'm sure uh, yeah let's, uh, let's, only, let's... Drop, only dropped a few times <laughs> great stuff well well done well they do bounce. well done canon that was that was great work with those launches and you know it's also been a busy month for lens launches as well over the last few weeks we've seen tamron pull the covers off uh 28 to 200 f 2.8 to 5.6 which is for a sony e-mount cameras and coincidentally that's just landed on my desk so i'm um, looking very uh, much forward to testing that we've also seen it uh, Takina announce uh, an ultra wide 11 to 20 mil optic for Canon Nikon APS-C DSLRs and not to be left out Sigma has unveiled its first long telephoto zoom lens for uh, full frame mirrorless cameras well joining me on the line now is Tim Berry who is media and marketing manager at Sigma Imaging UK and Tim's kindly agreed to give us some time to tell us a little bit more about the Sigma 100 to 400. Tim thanks again for joining us and I wonder if I can start by asking you a little bit about where this lens sits in the Sigma range and what sort of photographers might be interested in it. Yeah, sure. Hi, Matty. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so as you say, it's an ultra telephoto lens, 100 to 400, um, aperture of f5 to f6.3. And it's a full frame lens, so designed for uh, full frame mirrorless cameras, but it can also, of course, be used on APS-C cameras, provided it fits on them. Um, now, this is designed for mirrorless cameras specifically, um, and it fits on any E-mount camera, so any full frame Sony camera, or any L-mount camera, so that's any full frame Panasonic uh, the Sigma FP or any Leica camera. Now, in the Sigma range, there's already a DSLR, which is a DSLR um, lens, which is 100 to 400 mil. Sure. Um, but Sigma has been really keen to point out that it's not the same lens with a different mount. It's it's completely redesigned for mirrorless. So it's a it's a brand new lens, new optical design, um, new features, and um, so yeah, it's it's a very much a, a, a newly a newly sort of conceived lens and um, uh, very sharp in the corners, even wide open, hardly any chromatic aberration. And I think it really, it really kind of fills a gap in the market for kind of E-mount and L-mount users. And I think we sort of, we, we kind of felt sort of this kind of big sort of sigh of relief when, when it came out, because a lot of, of these kind of users, especially L-mount users, have been kind of waiting for something like this because there just isn't anything on the market available. So, um, so it's a, it was a really kind of, um, uh, it really kind of filled a gap and I guess you know who's it for well it's an ultra telephoto lens so probably most people are going to be picking this up for kind of wildlife sports aviation kind of any kind of fast action subject really um, so garden birds wild birds air shows football matches that kind of thing um, but for me um, I would say it's USP really is that it's so small and light that 
it's about I don't know one point one kilograms or something just just over. Yeah. Um, and that means it's really good for day to day shooting as well. Whereas so you know most telephoto ultra telephoto lenses are quite big and heavy, so they're kind of field lenses really. You would you would take them out to to shoot something like some birds or something in a particular location. You set up on a tripod or a monopod, and then you just shoot for a while and then go home and just take your lens straight home. But this lens is much more versatile. You can kind of just put it in your camera bag, carry it around with you, take it to the park and shoot portraits of your kids or or whatever, pop it in your bag without really thinking about it. Um, and that just makes it a much more versatile lens and much more sort of usable for sort of day-to-day -day shooting. Um, and for me, that is that is its USP, I think. And a good, actually a good comparison, we did a bit of a weight test because when you say 1.1 kilograms, people think, uh, how heavy is that? <laughs> but um, but in real life, it's about, it's about the same as three cans of Coke. So it's very, very slightly heavier than three cans of cake. So it's um, so that that gives you an idea of how much it weighs, which is very little compared with kind of those other big ultra telephotos on the market. Excellent, excellent. Well, I mean that's really cool. And you and I actually go back a long way, and we've been on yeah. loads of shoots together. So I can safely say that you know you're you're a fantastic photographer and you're on right, and you know you certainly know your way around um, a camera. So I'd be really interested to hear and push you for a couple of your personal favourite features on the lens. You know, maybe it could be the you know the optical stabilisation or the compatibility with the USB dock. What are your personal favourites? Ooh, good question. Good question. Um, well, thanks for the kind words, by the way. It's uh, yeah, I think you're a better photographer than I am. But <laughs> um, so, uh, ooh, I, if I can mention a couple, actually, that so I would say, so it's got lots of nice features. This is quite feature heavy. This lens, it's a sort of tripod column mount and a customizable button on the lens barrel and a focusing lock and all that kind of thing. But I think the ones that are a, a real game changer for me would be, so I suppose firstly, perhaps the, the the sort of the dual action zoom that it's got on it. So it's got, yeah, most lenses you you zoom by turning the the, the zoom ring you know you just kind of turn it left or right sure um but this one is designed specifically so that you can also pull the barrel in and out uh, and zoom that way so you can just kind of grab the lens hood and and slide it in and out it's got a really nice smooth action and it's much quicker than turning the ring so and that can be quite useful if you're shooting fast action stuff because you can you can just very quickly just go from 100 mil to 400 mil in like an instant almost whereas if you're turning the barrel you kind of have to turn it a few times and it takes like five seconds so that's a really nice little feature um, another one is that it's got two image stabilization modes rather than just the one. So most um, lenses, if they have image stabilization, just have one mode uh, where it kind of compensates for all axes um, so that it kind of cuts down on uh, camera shake in all directions. And one of the modes on this lens does that, but the other mode is um, a special panning mode so that um, the idea is that it cuts down on all axes except the panning axis so that you get that nice smooth pan without sort of any any of the other um, camera shake, any any movement on other axis. So, uh, and that's sort of important. So, you know, if you're a fast action photographer, probably you're going to be shooting birds, uh, I don't know, motorsport, planes, and almost all of those types of photography require panning. So it's a really nice feature to have uh, built in. And then probably the third one, if I could mention a third one, probably Absolutely, would go be. For it. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it would be um, that it's got a very short focusing distance. So um, it's, uh, when it's fully zoomed into 400 mil, it focuses at about 160 centimeters, which means you can get sort of really good sort of macro style shots with this lens. So it's very versatile. So I was shooting um, the other day with it and I was shooting a butterfly in the garden and it, I was getting crazy close to it. It's amazing how, how close you can focus. So, and you wouldn't think that you'd be able to do that with a, an ultra telephoto, you know, most of them have quite long focusing distances so um so yeah so it's an amazing lens you can use it for kind of everything really which is brilliant excellent well that, that was actually going to be a you know sort of secondary question about you um if you i know we've been in lockdown but um have you had your hands on it and it sounds like you have and it must be great to sort of take it out and you know, with its versatility give it a spin trying all these different subjects yeah that's right so yeah i went to um i actually took a trip up to yorkshire with it um about a week and a half ago and i went to um, there's a place on the coast, on the Yorkshire coast, called Bempton Cliffs, which is an RSPB reserve. You've probably have you been there, Matty, before? I don't think I have. I've shot in and around there, but I don't think I've been to that location. It sounds fantastic, though. Ah, uh, it's brilliant. It's so it's these very tall cliffs um, and sort of very vertical tall cliffs, and um, it's kind of a seabird colony. So you get puffins and gannets and all sorts of. There's about 
10 different species of seabird and there's absolutely millions of them and they are it's like a swarm of locusts they're absolutely everywhere <laughs> and um yeah it's an amazing place really and they kind of they just because they spend all their time at sea and then they just come onto onto these cliffs to nest for about two months in may and june and july and um yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing site, and uh, so I took it down there to give it a to give it a test, and it's very challenging because you know it's very windy and these birds are just kind of moving extremely quickly. Um, so, and I really wanted to test how well it kind of focuses, how quick it is, um, and how how well it sort of locks on subjects. And it, it, very impressive. I used um, a Sony A seven three it was um and uh, with that, I mean that's got an amazing focusing system, and it kept up with that so well. It was it's such a good lens, it really is. So my hit rate was, I mean, your hit rate with that kind of photography is always relatively low, but it was much higher than I expected. Um, so yeah, it was brilliant. Really, really impressed with it. Excellent. Well, I mean, you know, it yeah. sounds like a fantastic lens. When can our listeners get their hands on it? And have Sigma released a price point yet? They have, yeah. Um, so it was announced uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it's, uh, but it's not going to actually be available um, until the 10th of July. That's a worldwide um, date so we, we get it at the same time as everyone else um, and it's going to be 899 uh, in both L mount and E mount so um, yeah so it doesn't matter which system you use 899 um, so yeah it's it's uh, really exciting I think it will be a very popular lens for us um, and um, yeah so if you if you're into you kind of your fast action sports wildlife that kind of thing then uh, this is this is a definitely one to consider Absolutely. Well, Tim, thanks again so much for your time. If people want to find out more about this or any other Sigma lenses, where's the best place for them to go? Mm, so, um, yes, yeah, so we've got the website, of course, and um, we've got social channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and so on. Um, but, you know, I would say if you want to find out more about it, your best bet is to go is to go and uh, hear some reviews. So get onto YouTube, Google the lens. Oh, sorry, you Google it. <laughs> Search for the lens. Oh, yeah, sure. And... Um, and uh, yeah, there's loads of reviews out there already. Um, a few people did reviews before it even came out, so um, so there are definitely some up there. And and um, and just listen to what they have to say because you know, of course, they're independent and, and we're not. You know, we're biased. So so I would say with before you buy any lens, you should go and get some independent reviews. And um, we're really confident that it performs superbly well. So um, and I, I think you'll once you've heard those, I think you'll agree. So yeah. Well. That was really cool of Tim to, to give us his time there. Now, Terry, we know that more and more professionals are also branching out into vlogging. So it's great to hear that brands are responding to this. And the last few weeks I've seen not one, but two dedicated vlogging cameras brought to market by Panasonic and Sony. So uh, which one should we go for first, the Sony or the Panasonic, do you think? Let's take a look at the, uh, the Panasonic because um, I, uh, I did have a presentation on that. Um, good news is I've actually got one coming in as well which uh, I'm going to send out to a, a vlogger I happen to know um, who's going to go and give that um, a good try out in the field. Good. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm very interesting because um, very relevant, of course, to uh, everything that's going on now. Lots of uh, lots of people have been vlogging and, and doing online uh, things with their cameras. But um, clearly, both Panasonic and Sony have been thinking about this quite a long time between, uh, before covid 19 ever reared its ugly head so um it, it's very much uh, it's very much clear you know that this is uh, this is where a lot of the industry is going and i think it's very interesting as well because uh, you might say well look we're a we're a magazine aimed at professional photographers you know why are we talking about vlogging which is uh, it's neither still photography nor traditional uh, a traditional thing that a photographer would do but um i would suggest i think everybody you know, we, we as a, a publisher are reinventing ourselves. I think photographers need to do the same. You can't stand still. You can never stand still. Um, we we recently did a live stream with Jimmy Cheng, who's obviously using uh, Olympus cameras. But he is uh, he's a photographer who's moved into blogging. Um, it, it totally raises his profile. It, it, it uh, tells his potential customers and clients a bit about his personality, it introduces himself. And... Um, He's found it a really valuable and a useful thing to do. Um, I don't think it's for everyone. You've got to be good in front of a camera. You've got to be very natural and relaxed. You can't be kind of static and wooden. But it's definitely something, if you feel you're up to it, it's definitely something to look at. And I think both the Panasonic and the Sony cameras uh, are really interesting products. And um, 
they're good prices and they're giving you so many more options than you would get from a smartphone. I mean, the Panasonic, for example, has got uh, interchangeable lenses with it. And, uh, a, 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 sorry, I was just going to say a 20 megapixel uh, sensor at the heart of it all, which is, uh, so the quality from that is going to be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're two very different offerings, actually. I mean, the, the Panasonic um, interchangeable lenses, a 20 megapixel sensor. The Sony um, has a fixed a fixed 24 to 70 lens, so that needs to be taken into account. But it also does, and this is a startling specification, it could do up to 1,000 frames per second slow motion. So, you know, really, really slowing things down. Um, which, you know, for content creators, opens so many creative doors. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm doing some filming uh, later today and actually tomorrow as well. And I'm sat here looking on my desk at, at my C100 Mark II and how big <laughs> and unwieldy that camera is. Um, and I can see the appeal of, of um, you know, small, nimble vlogging cameras. And you're right, it's not for everybody. Um, but, you know, camera manufacturers uh, don't just launch cameras for nothing. They, they put a lot of R&D uh, before you know anything ever comes to market. So there must, there must be a real need and demand for these cameras. And I think, you know, it's just great to see new innovative um, products hit the market. That can only be a good thing for the professional market. Um, and, you know, maybe even some of these features that start off in something small like a Panasonic G100 or a Sony ZV-1 will then sort of trickle up to more professional cameras. So, you know, that's that's often how uh, the camera brands work. They, they test, the, test the waters in the smaller cameras and then they sort of trickle up to the larger cameras. So I think, I think you know, this is going to be the start of a new stream of, of vlogging cameras and I think we're going to see more and more of these on the market, which I think is a good thing. Well, yeah, I th you've got to have an open mind, and uh, I've got an open mind on everything. And uh, I mean, it's one of the reasons we've been um, looking in general at, uh, at video in, in professional photo uh, increasingly over the last sort of year to two years. Um, you can't just be a traditional photographer. You can't keep your head down and not look at what's uh, coming over the horizon. Um, it's just expanding. It's becoming a completely different business to... Um, what it was. Uh, I, I'd suggest it's more kind of multimedia now. Um, filmmaking doesn't come into every aspect of photography, but an awful lot it does. And uh, and uh, you can offer extra services to a client and you can, um, you can also offer a service that somebody else will offer if you don't. And I think vlogging kind of comes into that. It, it's certainly something that We'll cover it off. It's not going to be a huge strand of what we do, but it'll be something we do cover. And like I say, it's actually getting a hold of the kit is, is the key to it all. And the, the, the Lumix G100, for example, one of the big things, um, and I, I should be interested to see what it can actually do because I've, I've got, I'm slightly cynical about it, but um, it, it has an integrated Ozo audio by Nokia sound system. Yes. So in other words, um, a really... Uh, what is said to be a really good quality built-in microphone. Now, I, I'm of the school where I would always think you'd need a, uh, an accessory microphone rather than relying on the built-in one. But we will we will not sit in judgment on that until we've actually had a listen to it. And um, I'm told by Panasonic that it is it's surprisingly good. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe for um, you know for a vlogger that will be good enough. But um, I, I think I would. Um, I would take that with a pinch of salt until we've actually tried it out. Cool. Well, let's move on to our first item. And the headline in our show notes says it all, really. Bouncing back after lockdown. Uh, we've talked about it already. It's been a hard, hard time. Uh, and we know there's, there's much more important things going on in the world than image making. Uh, but of course, a lot of people listening to this podcast will make their living in, in photography and videography. Um, so we know they've been hit hard. But now things are easing in the outside world i think it's time to look ahead and explore ways to rebuild businesses and terry you're you're quite an expert on this so i'm gonna i'm gonna hand the mic over to you on this and and, and i'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts uh yes i mean we we've spoken haven't we about uh, reinvention and uh, my goodness <laughs> i think 
ourselves and uh, so many so many other people out there have had to kind of suddenly step back. I think we had about a week where I had the head in my hands just thinking, where on earth is this all going? And uh, you're just watching everything kind of falling down around your ears. But, you know, you if you're going to run a business, you've got to take a deep breath, uh, pull yourself up and, and, and just you know, then go back into it and just think, well, how are we going to, how are we going to get through this? And um, I mean, for us uh, and for so many other people, it's been going online and, um, and, and just, just telling people that you're still out there, even if you can't work, even if you're uh, a wedding photographer, for example, and all your weddings have, have suddenly been cancelled and there is absolutely no prospect whatsoever of anything happening for months and months. Yeah. You've still, you've still got to be, you've still got to be telling the world, you know that you're out there and and you've got to be really uh you know you, you've got to be uh, just telling people you're going to be coming back and then you know now we're getting to the point i suppose where things are slowly you know there's some kind of normality coming back in we're a very long way from normal but you've got to be thinking about now how do i kind of go back into this and, and we are obviously as a magazine as well we're, we're doing that same thing we're thinking well we can't be uh, well. We, uh, you know, we probably don't want to be digital only forever. So at some point, we've got to go back into print. So um, we're thinking about how we do that. I think there's photographers thinking about how they, how they get their customers back, how they kind of um, make them aware that they're they're back in business. They probably need to have special offers. They, um, I think, people in the last three months, they probably value their families maybe more now than they ever did you know especially if they haven't been out to see maybe uh, the grandparents or something uh, so you can offer something like a family shoot you know that's when everybody can get back together let's get a an album put together where you know we'll have the whole family together in this album and celebrate the fact that we can do that that's a good um, tip, yeah yeah um i mean the weddings that have been cancelled this year um most of them you would think they've um, they've been postponed rather than cancelled which kind of suggests that um, as things start to happen again, you're going to have more weddings now that you can shake a stick at. So uh, for those wedding photographers who are geared up to uh, get back into it all, there should be more work than they can, uh, they can handle, really. That, that really should be coming back with a, with a real bounce. And um, yeah, and also uh, I, I would suggest, I think um, it's likely we're going to see a bit of a baby boom coming up as well. <laughs> on the back of everything so uh you could have you know newborn photography and um all, all these kinds of things i think just to keep sane you've got to try and keep optimistic and positive and you've got to think about how you can uh you can tap into that and you you you've really got to uh you've got to be shouting about the fact that you're um you're still there you've still got a lot to offer and um you know, I'm, I'm I'm fairly optimistic about the future, and um, you know, and I really hope that the uh, uh, you know professional photographers out there, you know, uh, have managed to get through it and uh, can start to build their businesses back up again. Definitely. I mean, you know, the main takeout I got from that was just because you're not actively shooting, don't stop telling people about your photography, about your services, because you know, as you say, people are at home. They're going to be scrolling through their timeline on Facebook. So, you know, now's the time to really sort of ramp up your social media game and, you know, give examples of your work, link to your website so they can see even more. Blog about your sort of experiences as, as a wedding photographer or as a, a newborn photographer. Just tell your story, I think, is what you're trying to say, isn't it, Terry? Uh, yes, it is. I mean, I, I've got um, just a very quick analogy. There's, there's two pubs in my locality, one of which just completely put the shutters up just walked away from it, let the grass grow, uh, looked semi-derelict. Uh, the other one of which um, was out there selling um, beers off a, a trestle table on Saturday mornings. They were delivering groceries to uh, local people. They were doing um, pub in a box offerings, you know, where you could take beer away and food and things. And uh, they were just basic. I don't think they made any money out of that. They were just saying, look, we're here. We're part of the community. Yeah. People don't want to lose the pub. They don't want to lose their local photographer. And, and it's just saying we're still here. And it's good for your mental health as well to be doing something and not just sitting, you know, uh, it, it, these are very difficult times. And I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised that anybody who feels very kind of anxious and, and um, 
you know, challenged by everything. But the more you can keep yourself busy and, and be talking to people, uh, definitely the better it is from every aspect. Great stuff, great stuff. Well, look, I mean, you actually mentioned about the magazine uh, when you were chatting about that. I think now's a good time to sort of tell people um, what's happening with the magazine. You mentioned about um, having some positive news about uh, print title again. So do you want to run the listeners, listeners through that? Absolutely, yes. As I say, we've been uh, three issues digital only. And again, you know, just back to what I said, we've been very, very positive about that. There's no apologies for it. It was something we had to do. We... Uh, we looked at the situation and uh, we went into it, we put the pages up, we made them very interactive. They're all over 100 pages long and uh, had really, really good feedback on them. But we are, in essence, a printed magazine and we've always been looking for the time when um, we can go back into print. And um, the shops are open again, Smith's is up and running. Uh, and uh, so our next issue, uh, which is 174, which is out on, uh, is out on August the 6th, um, that's going to be back in the shops. That's going to be printed. So uh, the subscribers will be getting their issues and it will be back in the shops uh, for people to buy. So, yeah, it's um, uh, yes, it, it's it's a positive sign again. And um, yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully it's something that people will uh, will want to see and will feel like a touch of normality again to be able to pick up their uh, their issue and, and go through it in the normal way. Great stuff. No. Every podcast episode, we're going to try and answer your questions and queries. And ahead of the recording this show, we put a shout out on the Professional Photo Twitter feed, which is at pro underscore photo dash mag. Um, and one of the replies we received was from Joanne in Swansea, who asked, I went pro six months ago and my family portrait business has been OK. Uh, I'm looking to build. Now restrictions are easing. I'm always told about the importance of networking, but if I'm honest, I don't really know where to start. Can you help? So what advice would you give Joanne in Swansea, Terry? Uh, well, definitely networking is absolutely crucial. And uh, I think it always was, but I think even more now. Um, I, I think when you get challenges, and we've all had challenges recently, um, if you're on your own, completely on your own, nobody to share anything with, there's this this thing that you can get in your head that you're the only one who's going through this, and and it can get very uh, very lonely, and and you also need people to bounce ideas off and to support you, and you can support other people as well. So I, I think um, I think networking is absolutely crucial. Uh, lots of different ways you can do it. I would say uh, definitely look at the associations. The Societies of Photographers uh, is a really good one. Um, they've got lots and lots of things going on, and um, uh, you know that you can uh, you can talk to others who are in your situation. And I think local groups as well. Um, if you haven't got one in your area for photographers, um, I know people who've actually gone out and formed one because. These people uh, might you know, you might see them as your rivals. You might even kind of fear them a little bit. But actually, um, I, I think there's so much to be gained from talking to others who are in your business. And um, you know, if there's people you know and you trust, uh, they can give you work that they can't take on because they're busy. You can do the other thing of course. back for them as well. Uh, there's just so much in it. And and there are other, of course, local business groups that are just local businesses, not just photographers. But again, you can learn a lot from that as well. And actually, um, you network with them. If they want a photographer, uh, they know who to come to, don't they? Because they, they already know you through the um, the local chamber of commerce Absolutely. or something. Well, I mean, it's a bit of a strange one for me because um, I don't do a huge amount of networking, if I'm completely honest. I keep saying I will, but uh, I'm fairly busy and um, the work sort of comes from... Um, you know, sort of larger brands and things like that. So I, I don't have to do too much running. But one point I was going to add for Joanne was that, you know, networking doesn't have to be, and especially in this, this day and age, uh, doesn't have to be meeting up in person. You can do it on Facebook groups. You can do it, as you say, through the societies, forums, things like that. Um, it doesn't always have to be face to face. And, you know, with COVID and, and, and lockdown, although it is easing, that's probably going to be the way um, for the near future. Uh, but Terry's absolutely right. You know, I mean, the amount of sort of work I've had where, you know, a fellow photographer has gone, look, I've double booked myself for that date or I've got too much work on and I can't do that. C can you help me out? Can you take this off my hands? Is is, is quite a great deal. So it's it's always worth, you know, being, being friendly with other photographers 
um, because you know if if you've double booked yourself and you need to give them a job, you want them to to be um, you know happy about it and to to do a good job for you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's the best approach. A- anything else you want to add to that, Terry? Uh, I, I, I very much agree with you with the uh, the online side of things as well. I think what you've got to do though, you, you've just got to be careful that you don't kind of uh, if we're getting into social media and so on. Mm. Uh, can be an amazing thing that can be also a massive time waster and that you can kind of get yourself into conversations and discussions and things i think you've got to be fairly hard-headed about it yeah and um you've got to kind of allocate time to it and uh see a use for it but it's also it's also just nice to talk to people sometimes and there's plenty of room for that if you think if you work in an office you know you will talk about you know just normal things just to just to keep sane and uh, if you work on your own it's quite nice to do that sometimes but it's just keeping a lid on it really so that you don't you you keep it within reason you don't use too much time up on that fair enough fair enough well i hope that's advice helps Joanne please get back in touch with us and let us know how your networking goes if you see a bouncing in client numbers and, and what else you try to network and, and build a business because you know getting feedback uh, from our advice is, is, is really great as well um, so next question comes from Stuart in Islington who says let's talk video what do I need to do to make the transition from stills have you got any advice for Stuart uh, yeah, well the cameras these days uh, are just incredible. I mean, we we've just seen the the two launches yesterday, and um, people are talking about the um, the video potential of both those cameras almost as much as the still potential. Uh, we don't any longer just have cameras that are, are just to shoot still images. Uh, I think pretty much every modern camera these days, and certainly every mirrorless one, it's got everything built in. It, it you you just um, they're hybrids. They're proper hybrids. So. The tools are there. Um, one of the things uh, we, we've been talking about over the last three months, particularly with photographers, perhaps those who didn't have work on, is this, this whole thing about learning a new skill. And it might be redesigning your website, but uh, one of the things you could also be doing would be to uh, teach yourself video skills. And at the very basic level, um, you can move into video to, uh, to a certain extent fairly easily. Uh, for example, if you're a wedding photographer, you could be shooting uh, some video clips of things like um, the dances and, and some of the activities going on. Sure. You could have um, yeah, you could have a second shooter just putting a bit of video footage together and you could edit that very quickly together in a small film with some music behind it so no audio to worry about. And that's an extra little service um, and that, that of course is, is using video in its most basic form. Um, but you could charge for video services as well. If you're a still photographer and you shoot a video section of that job as well, um, you know, you can, you can charge your client more for that. And there will be investment, especially if there's audio involved. There'll be new skills to learn in terms of editing and so on. And, uh, and as, um, you know, there's so much to filmmaking as you go further up the food chain, as you say, with sort of codex film rates and all the rest of it. And, and it's a little bit daunting, but... I think if you if you kind of ease yourself into it and and have a we talked about have an open mind and, and tell yourself you need these skills, um, it, it certainly uh, that door is open. There's a lot there. There's a lot of potential there to get into it. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. I mean, I would I would add to that that you know um, take some time to learn the basics. So understand frame rates, um, understand how important audio is because you know you know. <laughs> A bit of dodgy video can, can be cleaned up. Dodgy audio is, is, you know, viewers just can't stand that. Um, so you really need to sort of start learning about audio. And of course, editing. I mean, I use Adobe Premiere and After Effects. I mean, the whole sort of Adobe ecosystem, you know, I prefer to use that rather than Final Cut Pro or any, any other sort of um, software. And it takes time to learn to learn that to a, to a good degree. Um, I mean, composition is one of those uh, skills that, you know, you can transition across if you've got a good eye for a picture. Nine times out of ten, you're going to have a good eye for um, lining up a scene for video. That That's cool. But, you know, learning the new skills, as I say, like frame rates and audio and editing, take the time to do that. And I think once you've got those basics, you're going to be better placed to make a decision to go, look, this is, I've learned this, this is something I want to pursue. 
Or you may turn around and go, actually, you know, I, I don't like that way of working. I prefer just to do stills. But as Terry says, I mean, the more you can offer, the more you can charge. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're professional photographers. Um, so we need to make our living from these things. Um, so that's, that's you know, the long and short of it, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, just be commercially minded about it. I mean, uh, I've known you for a long time, Matt, and I remember you are you're, you're fairly typical in that you were a photographer and um, I, I think I'm right in saying you, uh, you you weren't shooting video at all and you you've kind of taught yourself that that side of your business That's and right, um, yes. and you were telling me I think how much of your business video now is so it, you know you've included that now and if you can imagine just taking that out of the equation entirely and saying to a client look I don't shoot video um, I'm assuming you would probably say to me that you would probably lose quite a lot of the uh, the work that you're getting in. Yeah, well, I, I don't mind mentioning it on the podcast. I think that, um, you know, when I went freelance four years ago, it was probably around sort of 40% video, 60% photography. Now it's probably 80% video, 20% photography. Um, so, I mean, that is, you know, a huge leap. And... I'm really lucky because I, I actually really enjoy the video elements as well. Um, and there has to be there has to be an element of enjoyment because all right at the end of the day it's it's how we make our living, but you've got to love what you do or that passion just doesn't come across in in the final product. Um, mm. so yeah, if you if you you feel like you want to give it a go and it it doesn't feel right, then perhaps it's not the thing for you. However, if you do give it a go and you think, you know, why didn't I try this years ago? Then then fantastic. I've, I've loved it. I've loved making films. And I think uh, photographers are creative people. And uh, you give a creative person um, a video button on their camera, they're not going to ignore it. They're going to, you know, from the 5D Mark II, you know, that was just an afterthought. And then, of course, all these creative people went out and, and just did ridiculous things with that camera that you were never meant to be able to do. And um, it suddenly had a full-frame filmmaking camera for the, the cost of that that camera and um it just opened all the doors i, I i've made films um i'm i'm a photographer myself although i don't get to uh, do a lot of photography now because the magazine takes up so much time and i have made films for clients and i i've really enjoyed it total learning process and i i do what i think you you probably need to do which is surround yourself with people who actually do know what they're doing so uh you take the job on, but you have people there, you know, safe pairs of hands around you until you get, get your head around it. And I'd recommend photographers who are a bit nervous about it, you know, to do the same thing, to have um, have somebody along with them to kind of um, just show them the ropes and the first few jobs, perhaps, if they need to. But, um, yeah, I've, I've, um, I've, I've just invested in a, a second-hand Panasonic GH5, which I'm... Uh, it's a good filmmaking camera, and... Um, very affordable and I'm going to have a lot of fun with that I think um, trying that out over the next week or two absolutely and the great thing about the GH5 is how many lenses are on the market for it now and how how affordable they are so that's that's a great choice Terry uh, well well Stuart um thanks again for your for your question please get back in touch with us to tell us how the video work is progressing um, if you have a question you'd like myself Terry or, or one of our future guests to answer perhaps then please you know tweet us at pro underscore pro sorry pro underscore photo underscore mag and remember to follow us on Facebook at professional photo magazine well that's about it for our first ever podcast i hope you've enjoyed it and found it useful um look out for the next episode in a fortnight and, and until then terry thanks for joining us thank you matty and everybody i hope you enjoy your photography Thank you.